When our life story becomes a part of God's story of redemption, it becomes a testimony and an invitation for all to experience God's goodness and love. This message is an invitation to share our stories. This Sunday, um, we're just going to look at this message, um, and I just titled it's a simple word of encouragement, and um, just titled "Let Us SOS." Okay, let us SOS. And I think we all know what SOS stands for, uh, what SOS means. Like it's a, it's a worldwide distress signal for help, immediate help, SOS, which means help, I'm in danger. And uh, apparently it was in 1905 when the German, German government uh, developed this. And, uh, and there were many theories, or oh, 1908 is when they actually used it, started implementing it, and the ships... Uh, it was used in uh, ships, and uh, they would, you know, radio the signal, and, and it would go like um, dot 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 dash 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 dot dot dot, right? Uh, SOS. So there were many theories. What does SOS stand for? But apparently, in Morse code, this is the simplest way of typing out, you know, dot 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 dash 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 dot dot dot, and it would just say, you know, we're in danger, uh, help. Uh, uh, and um, but this morning the uh, you know, the acronym that we are using is share our story. Okay? Share our story. Stories are really very powerful. They're very interesting, very powerful. And I'm sure that, you know, in our childhood, if uh, somebody had told stories, that's, you know, they were the favorite, most favorite person. In, right? I'm sure you have an uncle, a grandfather, someone who told us stories, who... Uh, you know, who shared stories and we have fond memories of them, right? And uh, I have fond memories of my grandfather, right? My mother's father. And uh, he, would, he would have this database of stories, right? And um, of course, all fairy tales and all fiction. And he would just, every summer when we had our vacation, we would, we would go and say, Tata, you know, tell us a story. It will be after breakfast, before lunch, after lunch. And he would tell us, and sometimes it will be the same old story. You know, we've heard the last year. But we would just lose ourselves, just immerse ourselves. And we would just visualize, we were, we'd be part of that story. Where we can, I, I remember some of the stories that he shared. and uh, One about a wooden horse, which would fly. And you turn the year and it would fly. And you turn the other year and do something. And... But the thing is, you know, at sometimes he would just bring us down to earth. He'd say, okay, this prince and this princess, uh, they, had, they finally they married and I went to their wedding and in that wedding they gave me this shirt. You know, then we'd be like, why did you say that? You know, why did you, why did you spoil the fun? Because he'd be just so lost in that. Stories. Um, and real life stories even more so. Right? Real people, real challenges, uh, real problems, real victories, real life stories. And uh, when we hear or when we, you know, nowadays, a lot of stories being passed around and WhatsApp and social media and so on. But when we hear these stories, they inspire us. We want to do something. They, they move us to do something. They motivate us. They're like, uh, oh, I'm encouraged. I want to do something about it now. Uh, I've been sitting on this for a long time, but now you know, I've heard the story and this is some person whom I could relate to and I want to do something about it. So they educate us, they motivate us, they inspire us and, 
and uh, instill moral values. You know, I don't know if you remember, you know, Aesop's fables, right? The fox that tried to, you know, this is not a real life story, but Aesop's fables that tried to grape, uh, get the grape from the vine. It would keep jumping. And then finally, what did it say? It said, uh, you know, ah, it must be too sour. I don't know. And then the moral of it is what? There's a moral to it, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the moral is that, you know, just because you didn't get it, just don't talk negative about it. You know, sour grapes. Ah, you know, I don't get it. Maybe it's not worth it. So, you know, some of these stories instill moral values. And the Bible is full of stories, real life stories, real people. There's no glossing over their life. Real problems, some of them were so flawed, character-wise. And the Bible doesn't gloss over. It says, this is what it was, this was his problem. This is what he did. And sometimes we are so embarrassed reading it. Oh man, how could this guy do this? Real problems. As much as real life stories can motivate, inspire, and uh, reform us to a certain degree, real life stories in the Bible have that additional ingredient. Because these are stories of faith. And these are stories which have the God of heaven and earth engaging with people. The Lord of heaven and earth doing something in their lives, coming through in their lives. So when we read them, not only are we motivated, inspired, but there's something that happens in them. It instills faith in us. Instills faith in us. It also is an invitation for us. It's not like, okay, um, we read this story and then, okay, that was good. It's a good story for that time, but now, you know, times have changed. No, no. Though those people are dead, their lives still speak. The stories still speak. It's a testimony. It's pointing to God. It's pointing to the reality of what God can do in our lives. And it's actually an invitation. An invitation to say, open the door, let him in, and he'll do it again. Every real life story in the Bible is an invitation. An invitation for the Lord to come in and do it again. Do what he did for those people in our times, in our day, in our lives. And personally saying, Lord, do it again for me. Okay. So let's just pretend that um, we're at a campfire. Okay. There's a campfire and we're all gathered around the campfire. And uh, just passing the mic. Passing the mic around and there are some real life stories which these people are sharing. Okay? Can we pretend that you're a little quiet here? Can we pretend that? This campfire right in the middle and they were seated around and, uh, and they're just passing the mic and, and people are sharing. They're testifying. Because, you know, if God can do it in their lives, he can do it for us. And that's one of the things that they will testify over and over again. So, so the mic goes to Abraham. Okay, so Abraham just readies himself and he says, Okay, <clears throat> clears his throat. Let's go. This is my story. You know, I was minding my business. I was doing what I was doing. 
Genesis chapter 12 and Abraham would say you know the lord met me and the lord spoke to me the lord said come out of your land come out of your family and go to where i'm showing you and there i'm going to make you a nation and you will be the father of many nations and in you families will be blessed but abraham says wow it's good okay i'll do it is one problem oh we don't have children and by the way we are about 75 years old abraham says okay god i'll do it and so genesis 12 we see abraham uh i by the way he's called abram in genesis 12 um and then god visits him in genesis 15 again and he reiterates that promise to abraham so abraham would say you know god visited me again and this time he took me out of my tent and he showed me the sky and he said abraham uh, abram try counting the stars abram so abram looks up and he says okay 1 2 3 4 5000 oh god i don't know sarah calls him for dinner and then he goes where did i leave no god says you know as innumerable as the stars so will be your offspring so every time abram looks at the stars and he's reminded of the promise oh god this is what you said but god i don't see it but this is what you said and all he has is god's word all he has is that promise so abram would say you know all i had was this promise god every time i'd look up i'll see the stars and i'll be reminded of the promise of god but you know i had some serious character flaws abram would say abram would say it says he you know under pressure i will buckle down i did the same thing with abimelech i took abimelech i took sarah my wife and i was going and abimelech came and i just said you know i was so overawed intimidated i i said she's my sister but yeah there's some family connection but still you know i i said that and so here he's under pressure again sarah is saying you know what is this you saying god has promised okay do something now hagar ishmael so abraham would say you know i had some serious character flaws man serious limitations but i'm holding on to this promise i don't know why god gave me this promise but i'm holding on and abraham would say god visited me again and this time he is much older genesis 17 and abram would say you know what god changed my name he says abram which means exalted father you will be called abraham which is father of many father of multitudes he changed my name so every time somebody called every time sarah would call me abraham i'd be reminded of the promise of god i'm reminded of the promise of god. i'm reminded of my conversation with god i'm reminded of my encounter with god you know what i'm holding on i'm going to hold on and then we see in um, genesis 21 we see i'm sorry before that genesis 18 and where he has this encounter with the messengers from heaven there's this question they ask in verse 14 is anything too hard for the lord so i believe abraham would talk to us some of us you know as he's holding on to the mic and he's saying 
Guys, I want to tell you, you know, is, I want to ask you this question. Is anything too hard for the Lord? You know, I walked with him for two and a half decades and I, all I had was a promise. And all I could see was the stars and all I could hear was my name being called and reminded of the promise. And he would say, is anything too hard for the Lord? And I believe that, you know, that question he's asking some of us right around the campfire and saying, guys, is anything too hard for the Lord? And I believe he would pass on the mic to, to Joseph. He would pass on the mic to Joseph and Joseph would take the mic and say, okay, it's my turn now. Uh, it's going to be a long story, but it's not a, you know, it's, it's not a pretty story. But it's, uh, I've been through a lot of suffering, Joseph would say. I went through a lot of suffering, suffering like you've never ever imagined. Guys, my family disowned me. My own brothers, they sold me into slavery, Joseph would say. They sold me into slavery. Then he would look at us and ask, you know, did you, have you guys experienced that? He said, no. You? No. They sold me into slavery. I was taken to a far off land and there I was made to work in this man's house called Potiphar. And there Potiphar's wife tries to seduce me. Now just an aside, Joseph is away from home. He's away from church. He's away from fellowship. He's away from life group. He's away from you know, anything that you can call a holy or spiritual environment. He's in a pagan nation. He's in this household. And this woman is seducing him. And it, not, it doesn't happen just once, but it happens day after day after day. And he says one thing. He says, you know, my master, Potiphar, he doesn't know anything about this house. He trusts me so much. He's given me the keys for everything. And you are his wife. How can I do this great injustice against God? Wow. What a perspective. And before that, Potiphar says, something's different about this guy. Everything that he touches prospers. There's an excellent spirit. And he says, how can I do this great injustice? But then, charges are framed and he's falsely implicated and he's thrown into prison. And in prison, Joseph says, in prison I, I did my best. So much so that the keeper of the prison just gave me full charge. Full in charge of the place. So I did my best. I did excellently. And Joseph would say, there were two guys, a butler and a baker. They had a dream. I interpreted the dream for them. And it came true. And I told the butler, you know, just put in a word. Because you're going back to serve in the king's palace. Just put in a word for me. But he forgot me. He forgot all about it. For two years, right? It's a long time. And all this while, Joseph is in prison. And he's doing an excellent work. And I believe he would testify and he would, he would tell some of us, wherever you are, you know, do your best. Be excellent. Be excellent. And, and after two years, the Pharaoh has a dream. He has two dreams. And... Uh, then the butler remembers, oh, there was this Hebrew gentleman in prison with me 
and he actually interpreted interpreted the dream for me and maybe we should ask him because no one else in the land could interpret not the magicians uh, not those who are in, involved in witchcraft and so on they couldn't interpret so maybe we should call him so joseph is called and uh, and the pharaoh narrates the dream and joseph says this he says you know interpretation belongs to god he gives the interpretation it's not me i'm not the expert i'm just going to lean on god and he shares the interpretation and the dream we all know the dream right um, seven cattle coming out and being devoured by seven gaunt and thin cattle and the years of corn again being devoured by those sickly years of corn and and joseph says you know this is what it is i i interpreted the dream i told them that there will be seven years of plenty seven years of famine all the very best you put me in prison all the very best guys seven years of famine go for it king you do not know god seven years of famine god's judgment fire and brimstone take it no he says you know seven years of plenty seven years of famine but you know this is something that we can do here's a suggestion why don't we have granaries why don't we you know store all the grains and we can sell those grain and and uh, during the time of famine so he's giving a suggestion and and even in that time even in that environment and and the pharaoh says he's going to be second to me in the land he's going to be second to me that's it so he comes out he's he's there and everywhere they go he's in the chariot and people kneel they kneel before joseph and joseph would say guys i don't know what's happening but god was with me in the prison god was with me and he enabled me to keep a righteous heart and the story doesn't end there at the end the family comes the brothers who sold him into slavery they come now now is payback time right you take the grain but i'm going to give it to you now give something else to you the brothers come and he says what you meant for evil god has actually turned it around so he would tell us around the campfire you know hold on to your integrity hold on to your integrity and we are going through those seasons tough times and 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 you maybe there are more questions than answers hold on to your integrity and hold on to what god has called you to do and i believe he would say what the enemy means for evil god will turn it around for good and i believe he is speaking to some of us this morning and saying what the enemy means for evil god will turn around for good and he would pass on the mic to joshua and uh, and joshua says uh, i'll pass no he takes the mic and joshua says okay this is guys this is interesting i was with moses moses is a larger than life figure i've seen moses i've seen the signs i've seen the wonders i've seen him you know see the water come out of the rock i've seen him do all that and i've seen him struggle i've seen him go through pain i've seen him come to a point where he said god just take my life these people are too much these people are grumbling they want they want 
you know, they want garlic and leek and they, you know, all those things. Just, it's too much, Lord. And, jo- and Joshua is at that time and, and uh, for Joshua, this was Moses, the mentor, the father figure. Now jo- Moses is dead. And you look at Joshua chapter 1, Moses is dead. The one he, whom he could lean on. The one whom, whom he could always lean on for wisdom. He's dead. He's no more. And he has an encounter with God. So Joshua would say, you know, he was more, he was like a father to me. And I believe he would speak to some of us this morning who were saying, you know, this person meant so much. They are like father, they are like a mother. They're source of wisdom, so a pillar of strength. But they are not there in the scene. They are not there anymore. They are not there anymore. And I believe Joshua would tell us about his encounter with God. Where God comes and he's so blunt, he says, Moses, my servant is dead. That should, you know, just take the wind out of Joshua. Moses, my servant is dead. But now Joshua, he says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I was with Moses when he led. You saw how he led. You saw the signs and wonders performed. You saw the things that he did. As I was with Moses, Joshua, I will be with you. And I believe the Lord would say that to some of us. As I was with that father figure, with that mother, so I will be with you. He says, I will be with you wherever you go. Only do not be afraid. Be of good courage. Do not be fearful. Be of good courage. And Joshua receives that word. He goes, tells the people and... uh, and then the people, they say something, you know, he, the same people who have rebelled and he's seen them in different seasons and, and talk ill of Moses and so on. And they say, we are with you, Joshua. We are with you, Joshua. And they say something, they say, be strong, do not fear, be strong and courageous. Same words which the Lord spoke, spoke to Joshua. The same words they repeat. And for him, it, it must have been, so encouraging to hear the word that the Lord spoke to him, confirmed by the people that he's going to be leading. So he leads and then we move on to, um, uh, we move on to Joshua chapter 6. And they come to this walled city called Jericho. Okay, is everybody listening? Okay, he's staying with the campfire. Okay, they come to this walled city, Jericho. Apparently the wall is so big that two chariots can actually go parallelly. Right, so big, walled city, and uh, God has given them possession of the promised land, and they have to take possession of it. They come to the uh, come to Jericho, and God gives a very interesting strategy for Joshua. He says, "Joshua, this is what I need you to go. It's very simple. Take the guys, go around the place seven times. Okay, seven days, six days, once a day. Seventh day, seven times, and uh, at your signal." You know, they will shout and, uh, yeah, that's about it. We'll take it from there. You know, Joshua, I don't know what went on in Joshua's mind, but, but Joshua has seen the supernatural. He has seen the supernatural hand of God. 
under Moses. And so Joshua says, okay, God, whatever, I'll do it, Lord. I'll do it. Six times and I got it. Okay. So he tells the people, guys, this is what we are going to do. We're going to go around the wall six times. Okay, so tomorrow is Monday. Let's start. Okay, so Monday, everybody goes around once. Okay, that's done. Tuesday, one more time. Good. Wednesday, one more time. Okay, guys, we've got only some a few more days. Hang in there. We'll do it. And then, sixth day, they do one more time. Now, Joshua must be thinking, oh, tomorrow's day seven. Tomorrow's day seven. Something needs to happen. I have the promise of God. I have the instruction from God. Tomorrow's day seven. And they go around that wall once, twice, thrice. The fourth time, the fifth time, and the sixth time. And the wall is still there. Can you just imagine Joshua looking at the wall? Okay, sixth time. I have the promise. Uh, something's going to happen now. I have the promise of God. Yeah, he, I saw him with Moses. Yeah, yeah. I know. He, he, was, he, he, didn't, he didn't let Moses down. Yeah, no, he's with me. You know, Elevation Church has written a beautiful song about it. It's called um, The Promise Still Stands. It's about this incident where Joshua sees the wall and it's standing, but there's something else which is standing. The wall is standing, yes, strong, foreboding, big wall, strong, but there's something else that is standing. And that's the word of God, the promise of God. The wall is there. There's something else that Joshua is looking at. The promise of God. And the song goes, your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. I just want to read out the words of the song. Walking around these walls, I thought by now they'd fall. But you have never failed me yet. Waiting for change to come, knowing the battle's won, for you have never failed me yet. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands, and this is my confidence. You've never failed me yet. I know the night won't last. Your word will come to pass. My heart will sing your praise again. Jesus, you're still enough. Keep me within your love. My heart will sing your praise again. And in the bridge, I've seen you move. You move the mountains. And I believe I'll see you do it again. You made a way where there was no way. And I believe I'll see you do it again. And I believe Joshua would hand over the mic and say, the promise still stands. God's promise still stands. As real as the wall is, even more real is his promise because the worlds were framed by the word of God. The things that are seen were made by things that are visible. Therefore, making the things, the building material, what is invisible, so real. And then we move on to, uh, okay, anybody want to hear the testimonies or you want to cut it short? Shall we move on to some more testimonies? 
Okay. So there's Gideon and Gideon would say, um, God knows my true potential. He was actually threshing grain in the wine press because every time the Amalekites would come, the Canaanites would come, they would, they would make a mess of the harvest. And so he's actually undercover and he's hiding. And, and the greeting is this. You man of valor. You man of valor. You woman of valor. And Gideon's response is, I think you've got the wrong number. We are the least of the tribe. I'm the least in my family. What you say has no connection. Um, I think it's the wrong address. But God doesn't let go. He pursues. And he says, go, have I not sent you? Have I not sent you? And he sends him with an instruction. You need to bring down these altars. And uh, Gideon is like, I'm a little scared, so I'll do it in the night when nobody's watching. But he does that anyway. And God says, you know, this is what I want you to do. I want to go to the enemy's camp and I want you to do this. And uh, Gideon is like, God, uh, I just want to make sure, right? I really want to make sure. He puts out the fleece, and we know that story. Let the fleece be wet, let the ground be dry. Let the ground be wet, let the field fleece be dry. He does, does that, and then all proof is given, and he goes. You man of valor, arise, O man of valor. God sees the, the tree inside the mango tree. Now, sometimes when God speaks to us, the word comes to us and we, we think, that cannot be me. But he knows our true potential. He knows that with him, we are more than conquerors. So Gideon would give the mic to Peter. And, uh, and we turn to, you know, uh, Peter just he has a lot to say. Um, he, he's very animated. And uh, he's, uh, you know, jumping up and down. He's, got the, he's not sitting around the campfire anymore. He's walking. He's got the mic. He's walking around and he's saying, guys, you know, he's shaking people. I've got something to say. You need to listen. Like Luke chapter 5 goes to and he says, you know, this is what happened. I, we, we worked all night. I was washing my net, which means fishing is over. And the Lord Jesus comes and says, you know, put out the bo- boats out into the sea and I want to preach. So my boats became... Uh, an instant podium and it wasn't you know it was a podium there floating podium if you want to call it and and God you know the Lord Jesus he taught the multitudes so I was washing the nets but you know I couldn't help some of the things that he was speaking some of the things he was teaching and yeah good stuff interesting but then he after the message he turns and looks at me and he says launch out into the deep let down your nets for a catch now that's where I had a problem Peter would say, I'm the fisherman. He's the teacher. And the teacher is telling the fisherman, go out, launch out into the deep. You know, and Peter would say, you know, I was just by this lake of Gennesaret and um, there are many cafes there and I just wanted to go and get the strongest black coffee. And, you know, I don't want to, I've worked all night and now in the morning I've heard a message. Right? Anybody like that? 
you worked in the night and you you know heard a message this morning and it's like i'm ready to go i want to have my coffee and then go back home and just you know just forget about all this uh, we didn't catch anything but he says you know lord i fished all night i didn't catch anything but nevertheless at your word i will let down i will let down the net at your word lord you said so many thing and i believe something happened in my heart when you were speaking something stirred i'm letting down the net and he lets down the net and he's amazed it's full it's so full that they had to ask the other guys hey guys come help i think uh, we are having a problem yeah it's a good problem but we are having a problem here we need your help so they catch the fish and peter cannot take it he just drops down in front of the lord jesus and says lord just go away god just go away depart from me you know in your presence i just realize my sinfulness all my limitations and everything oh it just comes to me just go away god depart from me and the lord says peter you follow me peter you follow me for in you following me i am going to be making you into all that you were meant to be you think fishing is your business there's all there to it i'm calling you to an exciting life peter come walk with me you'll be a fishers of men follow me and i believe peter would testify to some of us saying you know why are you putting off that decision to follow the lord why are you resisting him it's a great life it's an exciting life and so so he and peter andrew james john they say okay come on let's do it they they follow him they sign up they follow him. and it's an exciting life for three and a half years exciting can you just believe it you know blind bartimaeus opens his eyes oh god peter goes he says is this what happened right now andrew just pinch me am i really awake lazarus comes forth comes alive an exciting life with the savior three and a half years jesus they is following him god you know let this not stop and suddenly there seems to be a tragic you know interlude and there are the sanhedrin and that night uh, from the garden he's taken there and 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 peter's afraid peter's afraid someone comes to him and says i saw you with that man some are related aren't you you're part of that team and peter says the one who was so excited the one who traveled the one who went with him the one who saw these miracles peter says i don't know him that man that no i don't know that other one i know this i know i don't know i don't know him and someone else comes and says no we are sure we are sure that you were with him He says i don't i don't know and the third time you know one of the gospel says that he actually began to swore and to be angry and threw up a tantrum and he says are you guys out of your mind i don't know this person i don't know this jesus i don't know him at all and um, just then the rooster crows and he's reminded of the words of the savior and the lord looks back at him and looks at him and he just melts down he weeps and the lord is crucified and they're all afraid and they don't know what's going to happen and in john 21 we we read another incident and it's again a fishing incident and and this time peter says okay we don't have anything to do i'm going to fish then everyone else says 
we will also come with you let's all go fish so they're all fishing and again they catch nothing right and the lord is watching them he says have you caught anything and peter says no i mean there is one of these they don't caught anything and the lord says let down your nets on the other side on the other side oh i'm surrounded by water what other side you know i've tried all sides put here there what other side but they do that and again when they see that miracle when they see the word of the lord come to pass they peter again does something he just jumps into the water he swims to the shore and the lord restores him the lord asks him peter do you love me he asks him thrice and i believe he used different words for love do you love me feed my sheep do you love me he restored him back he rest and i believe peter would you know speak to some of us and say um yeah yeah you had some great times with the lord you had some great times of ministry with the lord but there came a point when you said uh this is not for me this is not for me and you said i don't know jesus i don't know jesus i don't know what you're talking about i don't know jesus i i just don't want to remember that anymore but i believe the lord would say i believe peter would say you know it's time for restoration it's time for restoration the lord would restore and uh, and on and on so um, so peter would say jesus taught me how to fish really and despite my unfaithfulness he remains faithful i think we've got time for just one more the woman at the well would say jesus told me all that i ever did i can't stop talking about him now i know what it means to truly live zacchaeus the tax collector he would say in short I want to say you know he was a man in short short stature he would say in short I want to say that I've never met anyone like Jesus I want to be with him I want to be like him If we come to the woman caught in adultery and and uh, you know it's a, it's a powerful story because she was caught in the very act that's what the people come and say that and it's a very vulnerable moment for her because the man whom she was with is not there she must have thought at least you know he would be some kind of comfort some support everybody's gone everybody's gone so i believe she would say you know i was completely alone completely alone i just felt voices of accusation i heard voices of accusation from accusation from all angles i was completely alone i was all alone i didn't know what would happen the next minute i am prepared to die this is the end my life has not been great nothing to boast about but is coming to an end it's come to this a shameful end the lord looks at her the lord asks the question to the accusers you know he who is without sin let him cast the first stone and the lord looks at her after the crowd is gone and where are your accusers she says i don't know lord they've all gone the lord says so i don't accuse you i don't condemn you go and sin no more so he didn't brush aside the sin he didn't condemn her for it 
But he actually pointed out. He pointed out and he said, what you're doing is wrong. Don't do it anymore. Don't continue in it. Go and sin no more. And I believe the woman at, uh, the, this woman would, um, would testify and say, Jesus did not condemn me. He forgave me instead. He restored my dignity. He restored my dignity. I can finally lift my head up and walk. I can finally lift my head up and walk. And I believe she's testifying to some of us and he's saying, you know, my savior, he can do it again. He can do it again in your life. You don't have to walk with your head down anymore. You don't have to avoid the eyes of people anymore. Jesus will restore everything that you've lost. More importantly, he'll restore your dignity. And I believe that each of these people who are testifying these are real stories, real people, not perfect people. And they're telling us something. They're saying, why don't you invite Jesus? Why don't you invite Jesus into your situation? This is what he can do. This is what he will do. And so, I believe the Lord is looking at us and saying, what's your story like? What is your story? Can you allow him to script your story? Can we ask him to script our story? He's the greatest writer. He's the greatest poet. He's the greatest director. Can we allow him to script our stories if we've not asked him to do so? But even if we have, can we invite him, allow him to come into those moments, come into those areas and say, Lord, what you did, then do it again, God. I heard Abraham. I heard Joshua. I heard Joseph. I heard all these guys. I heard this lady speak, God. Would you do it again in my life? Would you do it again? I just want to share a couple of scripture. Uh, it's Psalm 139 and... Um, Psalm 139, verse 13, um, talks about write, God writing the story of our lives. Um, excuse me. Okay, Psalm 139, 13. For you formed my inward parts. This is a psalmist, and he's testifying. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. In your book, they were all written. You know, he's written it. The greatest story. The greatest story, good thoughts, good stories, written it all. And the psalm is saying, they were all written. The day is fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. So the thing is this, you know, can I go to him and live that out? Can I discover that born again train and live that out? 
right? It's not automatic. He's written it out. But I need to live it out. I need to discover. I need to walk with him to live that out. Because it's going to take his strength. It's going to take his resources to walk that out. Colossians, um, Ephesians 2 and verse 10 says, Ephesians 2 and verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Good works that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we discover, we walk with him, that we walk in them. The good works that he's prepared beforehand. Now that's his desire. Now that's the script, that's the story that he's writing about our lives. That we would discover, walk in them. And many times we maybe we make a detour and move away from the script. But God is calling us back. And through these testimonies, he's calling us back and saying, come back to the original script. Can you walk? Can you walk? Can I walk with you as you walk through this? And, you know, just like all these stories spoke, I don't think the woman at the well would have ever thought that uh, you know, her story would make such a difference in people's lives. I don't think the woman who was caught in adultery would have ever thought that we'll be talking about her. We don't know her name, but that we'll be talking about her and our hearts are stirred up and our faith is built up because of her testimony. So I just want to you know, propose to us that our lives matter. Your life is not insignificant. You are not a nobody. You are not a nobody. Your life matters. And he, the Lord is maybe writing the story of your life, rewriting the story in your life, but that story needs to be shared. That story, your story, needs to be shared. You know, I didn't have an opportunity to share my story. Recently, my uncle passed away last week, my dad's younger brother, and, and I was just thinking, you know, we were just watching the, in the UK, so uh, they had that funeral, uh, I mean, the cremation, and, and they had a service, and, uh, you know, it was, it was quite sad. Um, but at, at one point, uh, the casket was there, and, uh, and you know, the, uh, and just before the cremation, they just closed the, uh, the curtains, you know, the curtains were closed and, and that was it. And I was just telling my wife, you know, it's sad. It's like an end of an era. Um, and then you, you start and you think, you know, I wish, uh, I didn't really have much conversations with him. He was a very generous man. And he, in fact, my first digital watch for me and my brother, he presented. He was very generous. You know, he would always give us the exciting gifts. And, um, but I was thinking, I've never shared my story, really. And the closest conversation that we had about faith was, I think, when he visited and he said, so what are you doing? And I said, I know I'm working, I'm serving, I'm working as a, you know, um, in church and this is what I do. And, and he said, uh, yeah, I think you're doing something very important. Something that's very important. You're, you know, just do it. He just encouraged me. He said, just go for it. You're doing something that's very important. And, and that's the closest. I didn't even open up then to talk about you know, my story and why I did that and why I chose that. I, I could have, but, but the fact is that, you know, we sometimes think, 
uh, family they'll always be around people they'll always be around neighbors they'll always be around that business uh, partner will always be around and we say okay i'll i'll share sometime or maybe it won't make sense you know we uh, oh, how can i share some fear i'm not this personality right make so many excuses what if they will laugh at me what if they turn violent what if they ridicule me so many reasons you know mine's is reasons just like gideon would give you know i am the least i just like moses would moses said you know god i stammer i can't what do you mean but our story needs to be shared needs to be shared because god can use something out of that you know our story actually find significance in his story and his story is the gospel our story and it becomes part of that it's significant very significant in the light of his story our story becomes significant and his story is that god so loved the world that he sent his son jesus to die on the cross that whoever believes in him would have everlasting life would have eternal life whoever believes in him and that's the start of our story that's the beginning of our race that's the beginning of our journey that's when we truly start living so if there's anyone here and you know you've never invited jesus you can do that you can just pray a simple prayer and say yes you know you've been writing about my life but god i really want to discover and i want to walk in your ways and our story can actually draw many people many facets of our story and how god intervened in our lives we might think oh it's actually a tragic thing how can i share it but god can use it it's time to share our story because there's a distress signal that's going on in the world there's an sos that's coming from the world you know it goes like you know that's the sos it's coming from the world it comes in different ways right different world views i'm just living for the weekend oh i can't stand this pressure so you know i i i need to drink i need to do this i need to do this oh i i i don't i can't really go home i'd rather stay in the office and work seven days no problem right i can't afford to be a loser i need to be on top so i will work myself out the sos is coming out in different ways I had a very interesting conversation and uh, we'll close with that uh, conversation with a gentleman who called and he uh, and he said you know i have some questions and i was a little cautious because he said um, i want to know i want to be part of this group this church thing and i have some questions and i want to be i, I want to know certain things so can i be part of that i said so what is it you know what is what is it that you want to know so he said you know i have these questions about these christians i want to know christian things So then I asked him you know are you interested in Christianity and Islam and you know other other world views as well or is it just Christianity So he said you know other things I've studied I've been saying but um, you know I, I'm just a little I have some questions because I see that uh, I see Christians are happy he said but not all Christians are like that some you know I see that they there's no difference but some are happy and uh, I want to know about more about that So I said okay is there some place we can meet and talk he said uh caesar i'm a very busy man uh today 
i don't know what i'll do tomorrow i don't know where i'll be but if you don't mind i'll call you whenever i am free <laughs> um and then i knew that he was genuine he said is i'll call you and uh, i'll i'll talk to you and so we had an interesting conversation i think it was over for about half an hour or so and then i shared you know i said not everybody born in a christian family is a christian first of all you know you say christians are doing that christians are doing that you know, one who is a follower of christ is a christian and then he also had this you know thought about uh about the world and how, how why are you christians colonizing the world you know uh, this christian nation why do you go and attack and colonize it you know hey listen listen just like i said this when a person is a christian it means something right and uh, there's nothing it's, it's 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 not as if the west is exporting christianity no 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 it's not that at all please so we, these were the two things which were clarified in that conversation and um, but the thing is there is an sos there is a distress call from the world and god wants us to respond to that sos because we are his hands and feet we are a church and god wants to wants us to be his hands be his feet and and respond to that sos with our story knowing that our story is part of his story amen okay we're just going to pray and i'm just going to call the worship team up and um even as we close um first of all just want to take some time to you know um if there's anyone here and if you if you've never really uh, this is your first time in church maybe or maybe you've been in church all your life but you've never ever thought about that question if i die today where will i be you know or you've never invited the lord into your heart and i just want to give this time for you to respond to what you heard just now and and um, you can talk to jesus you know as jesus real he came 2000 years ago and he lived a sinless life and he carried our sin on the cross and the bible says that whoever believes on him will be saved um so he removes what is separating us from him and he's calling us he's inviting us to live an abundant life and he wants to be part of your life in what you are going through and change it for the better it's always for the better so if there's anyone like that here you know maybe you can pray and prayer is talking talking to god so you can talk to him right now you can maybe in your heart you can say this prayer and say lord uh, i believe lord jesus i believe that you died for me on the cross i believe that you rose again on the third day for my sins to be taken away and today come into my life i open the door of my heart come into my life i'm inviting you jesus change my life change my life just think about that what you prayed and and some of us you know these testimonies are an invitation to tell the lord lord do it again god i'm in that place i could relate to some of these stories of what was shared i'm in that place god meet me and the lord will do it again maybe you're saying god i the walls are so high 
all i have is your word the lord wants to remind you oh you have more than enough the word of heaven the word which framed the heavens and the earth and for all of us the lord is saying you know um, it's time to share your story it's time to share the gospel just share and leave the consequence and leave the outcome of that to me says the lord you know you can't do more than that the outcome the working of the heart the transformation and all that belongs to me says the lord that's my department i'll take care of that but can you share your story because in your story i have put some fingerprints there you know can you see my fingerprints on your story then when you were born oh i framed you when you you when no one was there in your mother's womb yes i i actually formed you can you see my fingerprints in your life you know when you went walk through those times alone and and you were crying and and saying god no one understands oh yes i was there right by your side and can you see my fingerprint and when you those times of celebration and rejoicing and i celebrated with you and can you see my fingerprints i believe the lord would say you know i just want to be part of your life all through but it's time to go and share share what i've done share what i can do and share the good news of what i've done for this entire this world we trust that this message was a blessing to you we would love to hear from you you can email us at contact@apcwo.org also visit our website apcwo.org for additional resources thank you for listening and god bless you